0: Well, good morning. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Mission Church. It's good to be with you this morning. And uh, I am the one who typically preaches in the fellowship hall service at nine o'clock. And I'm still filling in while our senior pastor, Pastor David, is on uh, bereavement leave now. Um, and that his first Sunday back will be Sunday, November 8th. Is that a Sunday, November 8th? I'm really bad with details. Somebody help me out. Don't act like your phone's not already out. Come on. <laughs> so Sunday, I think the, the Sunday that's around November 8th is his first Sunday back. So we're looking forward to welcoming him uh, back into our community and being able to love on him and support him. Can I get an, an amen to that? Amen. Um, and so here we are this morning. I'm with you. And uh, for the next, uh, I think, three or four weeks, uh, we're going to be starting a series in the Gospel of Mark. And then we may do something different for Advent. That's up, up to Pastor David when he comes back. But then I, I'm, I'm with the understanding that we're potentially going to return to Mark. So Mark is going to be through. We're going to be going through Mark, which I'm really excited about. Mark is like right up my alley because um, he doesn't use really, really big words. <laughs> uh, because it's all, Mark is almost like a, an action movie. If you if you know, if you follow me, Mark is basically just like and then and then and then and then this happened and then Jesus said this and then Jesus said this and then he healed this person. And then Mark is it almost feels like he's in a hurry if you read the other Gospels and then read the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark is dear to many scholars because we believe it was the first Gospel written. Um, Mark is just one. He's very economical in his words. Um, If you are a poet and you love poetry, read the Gospel of John. You will dig it. You will love it. If you're like me and you like action movies, Mark is where we need to sit. <laughs> no, John's really great, too. But you, you get what I'm you get what I'm saying. So if you know somebody who doesn't maybe like to read as much and doesn't like wordy things and maybe just isn't into that, but you want them to get to know Jesus, offer them the gospel of Mark. It, it's really great. I mean, it's just I love I love the uh, the flavors of gospels that we have. I love how God did that. I love how the, the disciples and the followers of Jesus were, were okay. And the early church was okay with welcoming all of the flavors about this Jesus and what he did and what he said. I just love it. I'm all about it. I love that there's personality even in the gospels. I love that we're not cookie cutter robots. I mean, I love, are you, maybe you don't love that, but I do. I'm not your robot, so I love that. And you're not mine, so you should love that too. It's really great. So, um, so we're in the gospel of Mark, starting in chapter one, verse one. And, uh, here we go. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the son of God. Now I got 15 verses to go through and I'm already stopping. So, you know, it's going to take a miracle for us to get through all of them if you know me very well. But this first, these first two words, the beginning in the original language, like again, I said, Mark is very economical. I've read people who are much smarter than me who identify specific words that Mark uses because he's so economical in his he's not going to be wordy. He's going to choose the words that he uses and he's going to choose them for a reason. And so we see that first word, the beginning. And if you know the Old Testament, you're going to immediately think of the very first verse of the whole Bible. Yeah, you're going to think of Genesis 1 verse 1. And it goes something like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters in the beginning. And what people smarter than me would say about this is this. Mark is not he's getting to it already. First two words he's saying to those of us who know Genesis, he's saying, you know how creation is a really big deal. You, th- you think creation is kind of a big deal? <laughs> like, Earth is kind of a big deal. <laughs> Planets, solar systems. I mean, it's, it's, that's not little things, right? Is it The air that we breathe today, you know, we have... I mean, it's kind of a kind of big deal. We have great weather today. I mean, this is you know, little things. Those huge, enormous things. That huge, enormous thing like creation itself, Mark is saying... Just ginormous that God created the heavens and the earth. Just huge, massive thing. Mark is saying something just as huge and massive is what I'm about to tell you. You're like, how can it be as huge and massive as the creation itself? Because God came in the flesh. I mean, talk about huge and massive. Mark, the Gospel of John at the very beginning does, he does the same thing. John does. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. He's saying, the massive thing of creation itself. Yeah, Jesus was there. Yeah, Jesus has come. This is a big deal. Turn to somebody and say it's a big deal. See, I have enough energy for all of us this morning, so you can just sit back. No, please don't do that. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. In, in the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul says this. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So there's songs, right? There's songs that go something like this. What if God was one of us? And then the writer of the song goes on to, like, guess at what what she thinks God would be like if he were one of us. I mean, it's a question that has been throughout creation that humanity has asked. Jesus coming answers that question. And Mark's like, this is a big deal. Have you gotten that yet? This is a big deal. I mean, this is this is if you want to know what God's like, who he would hang out with, what's his favorite color, what he would say, what he would do. You look at Jesus. All you got to do is look at Jesus. It's so much simpler for us post-Jesus. There's this invisible God, and we go, wow, and science is trying to figure out how creation came about. And we go, well, I think there was somebody else involved in this. However it happened, whenever it happened, God made it happen. Somebody bigger made this whole thing happen. And then we say, okay, what might that invisible power of being be like All you got to do, Mark is saying, Paul is saying, the gospel say is look at Jesus Christ. Man. You know, I've had coaches that tell me, sorry for, you know, if you don't like this word, we don't like my kids using this word, but I'm going to use it this morning. Keep it simple, stupid. I love that. I love that that Jesus coming is like, well, let's let's really keep it simple. Let's just make it about Jesus. (laughs) Because that's who this whole thing is about. He is God. He is God in the flesh. He's the image of the invisible God. He's it. There is no other like him. See, some of you who maybe have forgotten or don't know Jesus that well think, yeah, yeah, what's the big deal? Oh, oh, oh man. Mark's about to get at it. And we're going to take a whole series about Mark going, this is what. this is a big deal. Everybody say big deal one more time. Mm hmm You didn't say it like me, but that's okay. Hmm. You said it more like big deal. (laughs) Oh, help us, Jesus. You're a big deal. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, gospel, that word gospel literally means good news. The good news. And I didn't mention this before, but Mark is written to Roman Gentiles. That's who Mark's target audience is, as he writes this gospel. Matthew's audience was Jews, was religious folk. Mark's audience is Roman Gentiles. Now, before we get any further with that, it's, it's really good that we recognize that for several reasons. The first is this. Most of us in here are Gentiles. I don't, we, there's very few of us who are of Jewish descent. So that's really good. That's us. Everybody say us. us. Secondly, it's, it's, from, it's to Romans. Now, if, if we're real kind of honest with ourselves and with our culture, Roman culture is a lot like our culture <laughs> it is a lot like our culture. People in power wielded it and used it for themselves. It's actually a lot like our culture. People were going for money and and better jobs. And that was the greatest value in and, and sex and promiscuity. And I mean, it, I mean, it's a, lot, it's a lot like our culture. People would put down others in in order to honor themselves. It's actually a lot more like our culture than we would like to think. And so Mark is really written for me and for you. And that's really good because when when the reader, when a Roman Gentile would see that word gospel, that word good news. First thing that they would think is not Jesus. First thing that they would think was. Victory in battle—that's what that word was most often used for. And so you're Rome, you're a superpower just like the United States is, and you don't have very many losses. <laughs> you don't—you don't lose. Rome won and won and won again and conquered again and battled and won again. I mean, they conquered everybody. They were the superpower of biblical day, of this. Of, <laughs> help me out. Of Mark's day. There we go. Help me out, Jesus. So so when when they hear gospel, good news, immediately you and I, as good Roman Gentiles would think, oh, battle. Oh, that kind of victory. And then at the end that you would see this, this, this language of the son of God. And you would think, oh, I know who that is. Oh, you put those two together and you're immediately talking about Caesar, right? Because Caesar, it was said, when Caesar Augustus was born, it was written and promoted and sent out to all of the lands that Rome had conquered and owned and and, and just were in, that a son of the gods has been born and he's bringing peace to the world. Hear the good news. So when a good Roman Gentile reads this, they, they come with all of that. You and I come with all of that. That good news equals, that Son of God equals power and might and oppression and just, you do what I say even if you don't want to or else. And selfishness and... Oh yeah, man, because, because that's Caesar. That's what you do with power, right? That's what you do when you're in charge. But Mark is reinstalling those two words, those two descriptive properties, the gospel, the good news, and the Son of God, and attaching it to whom it rightfully belongs to. It rightfully belongs to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, because there is no other leader like Jesus. See, it's kind of OK. There's Caesar and he's all powerful. And then there's Jesus and he's all powerful. That's the end of where they're similar. <laughs> that's it, because Jesus functions completely different than Caesar. And that's a really good place for an amen right there. That's really great. There's a lot of reasons why that's really great. Because Jesus doesn't fight oppression with oppression. See, have you noticed what happens in the world? Have you noticed this? There's an oppressor. There are victims. And then at some point, those victims raise up in power and the oppressor weakens to the point at which the, victim, the victims now become the oppressors. But now what do they do with their newfound power? Now they oppress somebody else. And the cycle just continues. Oppressor, victim, victim becomes in power. Now they oppress somebody else. And it just keeps and it's this horrible, evil cycle of what of what humanity does to each other. Oppressor, victim, victim, oppressor. And it just goes back and forth. And that's what Caesars do. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus is completely different and unexpected. He has a whole different way. And, I'm, and I love that Jesus is completely different and unexpected. And I don't, it doesn't seem like anybody else is with me on this, but I think that you are. And if you're not, you've got to get this. Because when you come to church and people are like, hey, you need to follow Jesus. And you're like, why do I need to follow Jesus? You need to follow him because of who he is. Not because we tell you to. Because who he is is altogether different than anyone else. Who he is, is this grace and this mercy and this love. Who he is, is humility. Who he is, is giving and empowering others. Instead of forcing others and coercing others and oppressing others to serve him, he's the one instead who chooses to serve. And to give his life away. This is the leader, y'all, that we've been waiting for, waiting to vote for, waiting to waiting to waiting to see a commercial about. We've been waiting, we've been waiting for this leader that's altogether different than any other, and it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And so we've made it a whole sentence. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the son of God, verse two, as it is written, in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So God has this way. Did you catch it in there? There's a way that he has And, and the staff, the pastoral staff had a discussion about doing this this series and and Dr. Smith had a great idea of calling it the way. Because there's a way of life that Mark expresses through Jesus himself. And Jesus is the one who taught it. There's this new way. And the best way that I can offer this to you is to explain it like this. I'm coming back, don't worry. You're like, oh man, I thought I could get to go to lunch right now. No, not yet. Is this now Sorry, Jesus, I gotta move this stuff for a second. This is your stuff. There's nowhere else to put it. So here we go. Y'all know what this is? It's a record player. Oh, yeah, it's a record player. See, people, see, some of you young ones are like, that's the only way to play music, man. That's the only way. It's through records. Like, I have friends. I have friends who, who think I'm just crazy that I still listen to music through CDs. Because you don't get the richness of the sound. You don't get it. And then I have other friends who are old enough to remember when this was like a newfangled contraption. (laughs) When this was like cutting edge technology, right? And you're like, oh, I haven't seen one of those in a while. Maybe. But I am somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Because I am not old enough to remember when these were a thing. But I'm not young enough to know that these are now a thing again. So these are this is a new thing to me, all right? So here I am with this new thing, and um, what's what's cool about these this, these kind of record things is that they have grooves in them, and there's a needle on the on the arm. I, okay, I'm not down with the lingo, so y'all just gonna have to give me grace. And the needle gets this arm gets put on the record and falls into a groove, and then when the record spins, the needle grabs the music and plays it through the speaker. So there's grooves here. Now, I think I, th- I didn't I mean, I was born in the 70s, but I didn't live through the 70s. Really, I was only two years old, but I think that's where groovy comes from. Right. You're like, no, it's not. Yeah, well, you don't remember anyways, if you lived through the 70s. So <laughs> come on, lighten up, people. Let's go. Can we laugh at ourselves? Come on, let's go. All right. So there's these grooves in this in these record players and. And I I think, I think, I think we have grooves, too. Oh, yeah, we we have grooves how we live life. And we we get those grooves, not from a machine that presses the grooves into us like a record, but we get those grooves from our culture. Yeah, we get those grooves from the people around us. They they form grooves in us and, and they cause us to live white life a certain way. Yeah, we, we live life a certain way. And even and I think if you can roll with me on this, I think our lives play music. And there's music to be heard through our lives. Like there's different songs that you and I play. How do I know this? Because when I got married and I hung out with my in-laws for the first time, I got back in the car and I was like, man, your family's weird. I said that to my wife and my wife responded. No, your family's weird. Yeah, because even families have grooves. Right. We all have grooves, how we the style in which we live, what we do, what we say, when we say it, when we don't say stuff. We all have these grooves that we've been formed with and they play a certain style, a certain song, a certain music. And so Mark is writing right here saying this. There is a new groove in town. There's a new song being played and it's being played through Jesus himself. And y'all have all these other ways of living life, but there is a new way on the street. Can you hear it? And John the Baptist comes. And Mark expresses a prophecy here. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord makes straight paths for him. So John the Baptist was sent my, by God to go to the people and say, hey, wake up. There's a new song playing. Hey, there's a new record on the mix. Hey, check it out. Hey, wake up. There's a new groove in town. We all have these grooves. And then it says this. Wait, I, there you go. OK, I just pushed my CD and that's all I know. That's my generation. <laughs> and then it says this. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is really great. Because the preparation that's needed is repentance. And that word repentance just simply means this turning around, making a change. Yeah. Taking the needle of the arm of the record player out of the groove you're in and finding another. Or better yet, letting God Himself create a new groove in your life that plays a totally different sound. Yeah, repent. Well see, we you know, I, I read this text and I hear, you know, when I sit in your seat and I hear Pastor Preaching, I go, oh, that's that's great. That's fine and good. But what do I need to repent of? Oh, man, we got our stuff, don't we? I do. Some weeks ago, when we were in a in a series about a kingdom, I told you two questions that I suggested to you that are a part of the groove of our culture. How our culture plays music sounds a lot like this. Two questions. We ask and we don't even know we're asking all the time. First question, what's in it for me? Second question, how does it make me feel? Remember that? Some of you do. That's a groove of our culture that we have in our life. And it causes selfishness because what, what does it do to me when I'm trying to love somebody? And my only two questions are, what's in it for me and how does it make me feel? I bail. I'm out. Because there's no way that you can constantly and consistently make me feel good enough to to still love you. So when I interact and I relate to people based on how's it make me feel and what's in it for me, man, relationships break down. They break down quick. They break down even ones that you said this will never break, break. And so those are some of the things like those two questions. Even we need to turn around from. We need to go in the other direction. We need to change our mind about. My, my youngest daughter, she, uh, she, there's only one accent that she'll do, and it's really funny, because we, we joke around and do accents in my family because we can't do any of them, and so we laugh at each other. So she does an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. I don't know why that's the one that she picks to do. She's seven and she's tiny, she's the petitest little thing, but she wants to do the Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. And you know, it's like, turn around. Get to the chopper, right? And so little Sophia, my youngest, turn around, turn around. But she she can't do it quietly. She has to yell, turn around. She she like yells that She can't do it. It's not even an accent. It's really just screaming. But I think if John the Baptist were here today, he'd be screaming it. He'd be saying, "Hey, turn around, because that groove is only bringing destruction in your life. You want real love. You want real hope." That song being played is not going to lead you to it. Turn around. Repent. The Messiah is here. Turn around. What do we need to turn around from? I got some stuff. And we keep reading. Verse 5 The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, to John, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. Now, if you don't know, like, this culture that we're reading from, that's weird for even then. <laughs> Mark states it because, like, yeah, this is weird. Yeah, John was weird. It's so unexpected. Every at every point, Mark's like, hey, you we thought it was going to be like this. We thought the Messiah would come and raise up a big army like Caesar and take over Rome and oppress the oppressors. We thought Messiah would come like that, but he didn't. He's Jesus. We thought even the forerunner of Jesus would come differently and in great words and great clothes and riches and all this stuff. But nope, (laughs) nope, he's weird, too. He's out in the wilderness eating bugs and wearing weird stuff. (laughs) I, I really like John. And so, here he is, and then it says this, verse 7. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. What does that mean? That's old school language for, he's the greatest of all time. There's no one close to him. And you all, John is saying, You all think that I'm something and that I know God. I'm nothing compared to him. See, in Jesus culture, there are only certain people who would wash people's feet. Why? Because you walk around in sandals and there are only dirt roads. So it's gross okay, to wash people's feet. And so the only people who would were slaves. And people smarter than me from what I read this week said, you know, commentators, people who read the big fat books, they said... That typically, even, even at that, it wasn't just slaves, it was typically Gentile slaves. Because Jewish families wouldn't make Jewish slaves do it because it was that dirty and that demeaning. And John the Baptist is saying, Jesus is that important, that big, that good, that I'm, I don't even deserve to wash his feet. What's so beautiful about that? that very one who John was talking about is the very one who washed his followers' feet. This Jesus, who above anybody else, deserved to be Caesar and to have that kind of power and that authority, took that ultimate power and authority and instead of forcing us and coercing us and manipulating us, he used it to serve and even wash his followers' feet in humility, in grace, in mercy, in love. This is why Jesus is so good, y'all. This is why when people say, "Hey, follow Jesus." And you go, "Mmm, why?" This is why they say, "Hey, this might be a good idea." Because he's this good. Verse 8. "I baptize you with water" But he, the Messiah, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's really great, and we'll get to that in a second. Verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Jesus getting, once again, Jesus humbling himself. Jesus should be baptizing all of us, and he's the one. He gets baptized. Like, it's just, I love Jesus' humility. It's incredible. Verse 10. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Now, you remember when I said that Mark is very economical in the word choices that he makes. He does it again here. There's a word here. Heaven being torn open. That word for torn open. Is used only one other time in Mark's gospel. Mark, all through chapter one is leaving bread crumbs for us, leading us to what this way, this way of life, this new song, this new groove is about. Do you know the second time out of two that this word torn open is used in the Gospel of Mark? Yeah, it's in chapter fifteen, verse thirty eight. You know what's going on there? I'm gonna read it for you. This is Jesus on the cross. Starting in verse 37, chapter 15, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn. There it is, was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Mark is leaving breadcrumbs for us. And the breadcrumbs say to you and to me without any doubt that the way, the hope, the life is in the sacrificial love of Jesus himself. The way is the cross, man. That's the way. That's where we see real love is Jesus with ultimate power and ultimate authority, welcoming and taking on the very thing that we, you and I deserve. We deserve punishment for our sin. We deserve that, man. Yeah, I know that I deserve it. I feel it. Every time I fail, I feel it. Do you? Some of you have been in church your whole life and you still are struggling to receive God's grace. You still can't forgive yourself. And Mark is saying, the way, remember that groove? The groove of life, the hope, the good news is the cross. The good news is a God who could have come down and, and smited us and killed all of us. He had every right to. And instead, He came as a servant. Quietly, secretly, He came. He came and He loved and He gave His life away. He came and He served. He washed His other people's feet. He came and He healed. He came and He taught. He didn't come with these armies and with oppression. He came with hope and with love. Yeah, He came in His full expression. Of who he is was the cross. And Mark sees it and draws us to it with the breadcrumbs. Can you see it? See, Jesus on a cross is a totally different kind of song. It's a different song than any song our culture plays. Jesus on the cross. Means that even when I feel like I'm not enough, he's enough. Jesus on the cross means that even when I can't forgive myself, He has forgiven me. And I trust Him more than I trust my own opinion. Jesus on the cross means hope and mercy for those of us who don't believe we deserve it. Jesus on the cross changes everything. It's a whole new song. Can you hear it? Can you hear it today? Can you hear the hope in forgiveness today? Can you hear the hope for transformation in me and in you today? Can you take joy in the fact that all the songs that the world plays that oppress us, when we feel like, we can't fit in where we feel like we're not pretty enough, where we feel like we'll never be strong enough, we'll never be talented enough, that all those other songs pale in comparison to the beauty of sacrificial love that's found in Jesus on the cross. Can you hear it? Because I can hear it, and it's changed everything. this curtain that was torn this breadcrumb that we're looking at here our sin there's this this temple of the curtain maybe you don't know what that is so there's this temple the biggest building in Jerusalem biggest building and it was said to house the very presence of God it was the only place it was like the only place in the whole world that housed the very real presence of God And it was divided. All of us were divided by this curtain that divided all of us who were sinners outside of the Holy of Holies. That was just the the most concentrated presence of God, who's holy, who's mighty, who's powerful, who's pure, all things that were not. And this curtain divided us when Jesus died on the cross, when he gave his last breath Scripture says that that very, that very curtain that kept us out of God's presence was torn from top to bottom in half. What in the world does that mean? That means that the Spirit of God is available to you and to me now because of what Jesus has done. That means that His presence is available to you and to me now because of what Jesus has done. That means, in the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, there's only a handful, chosen few, who get filled with God's Spirit and power. Just just a few. Because of Jesus' love and sacrifice and mercy, guess who gets invited to be in God's presence now? Guess who gets invited into relationship with God? Guess who gets invited to play the new song, The Way of God Himself? You say, yeah, but Brian, you don't know what I've done. You're right. I don't. Jesus does. He died for it. Yeah, but Brian, you don't know what song my life has been playing. Now, I hear it out there, too. There's a whole new song that your life can play. <laughs> and we keep reading and it gets better. Better. It gets better because now we're going to go. Where are we? Where are we? Here we go. We're, We're closing up shop with this. When we come into God's presence. Because of what Jesus has done and who he is. Guess what he says over you and me. Guess what comes with the presence of God? It's verse 11. It's verse 11. And this is people have written tons of books that people smarter than me have written tons of books about this. I didn't come up with this on my own. It says this, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. See, the presence of God becoming available to us because of who Jesus is means that that same love is now spoken over you and me. (laughs) The same offering of presence, the same offering of invitation, the same offering of relationship, the same offering of care. Man, I I have trouble as a dad offering this kind of unlimited love even to my kids. My dad had trouble with me, but God doesn't have trouble with you because he proved it with his son on a cross. He proved his love for you and for me. And so now God unequivocally, unashamedly, unabashedly says to you, when we come into his presence that was made possible by Jesus himself, says to me and to you, my child, whom I love. I smile on you. I'm well pleased with you. What if that were true about you? What if it was less about what you looked like and how attractive you were and how much money you made and how much power you could wield? What if it was life was more about living into this love that God gives you freely? Man, that's a new song. That's a better song. That's a new groove. That's a better groove. Man, that's different. And then we're almost done. This is what I'm going to close with. At once. Everybody say at once. At once. Okay, at once. So let's picture yourself in this. Picture yourself getting baptized in a river. And when you get baptized, heaven opens. It like... There's heaven present. It's not like it comes down on a cloud with a person playing a harp and like hovers over you. That's not what the Bible teaches about heaven. But anyways, I can't get into that right now. But like a a veil, a curtain is like opened up and all of a sudden heaven's like right here. You get this glimpse of heaven. And what's set over you is you are. I love you. You're my child. I'm well pleased with you. What would you do then? Man, I'd be throwing a party. (laughs) Right. I'd be like, yeah, that's right. Woo! Yeah, I'm it. Yeah, did you hear? Did you hear what God said? Let me remind you. I'm his child. He's well pleased with me. Y'all better listen to me. Yeah, this is, I'm pretty. That's right, Kelly. That's right. I just did that. And I'll do it again. Right? That's what we would be doing. But that's not the way. That's not the groove of God. Immediately, the same Spirit that just uh, just came down upon Jesus and spoke this loving word upon him at once. Everybody say at once again. At once takes him where to the palace to rule with all power and authority. Take him to his great army to come and and make other peoples oppressed and like. Rah! No, at once the Spirit sends Jesus into the desert into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by satan he was with the wild animals and angels attended him not talked about this before here but what stands out to me today as we close first off is that jesus was fully man Yeah, Jesus wasn't a robot. He still had the choice to choose whether he was going to use the spirit and the power that comes with it. I don't know what that was. It was back there. The power that comes with it for himself or for others. Would he lean in to this groove, this love that God had just given him, this word that was spoken over him? Or would he try and take it and earn it and use it for himself? That's what's going on here. And that's what goes on with me and with you. What will we do with the record of life that we've been given? And then it says this. He was tempted. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Some of you in here. Feel like you're in the middle of the wilderness. And there's wild animals around. See, scholars think there's a lot of debate on this. But scholars think that Mark is referencing wild animals here. That's not referenced in the other Gospels. Because he's writing to Roman Gentiles who are now following Jesus. You know what was going on in the year 60 in Rome for Christians? Neo was now in power over Rome. And he was persecuting Christians. You know how he was persecuting Christians? He was throwing them like sport to be eaten and devoured by wild animals. Yeah. So scholars think that this reference here is on purpose from Mark. Because you and I still have wild animals in our lives, do we not? There are still days where we lose loved ones. There are still days when cancer comes. There are still days when people leave. There are still days when friends betray. Yeah. There are still days when it doesn't go how we thought it was going to go. Life doesn't go how we thought it was going to go. Those days come. And catch this. Scripture is unabashedly honest that that there is still trouble in life. And yet in the midst of it, do you know what is said here? And angels attended him. Those that language there. Is not just a one time thing at the very end, but that language there in the original language is continuous. Angels were ministering and attending to Jesus all the way through those temptations, all the way through those hardships, all the way through the wild animals coming, all the way through the fear. God's presence was still there, and because of the cross, God's presence is available to us when we experience our own temptations and our own wild animals. You are not alone. You're not alone. When life gets hard, you're not alone. And this is the very word that was just spoken over Jesus that's spoken to me and you on the cross. You are my child whom I love. You are not an orphan. You matter to God. You're invited into his way of life. Not so that he can feel good about himself, but so that you might have real life, so that your life would play the most beautiful song of sacrificial love to the earth. That when others hear it, they would say, what well, what is that? He said, I've never heard love like that. I've never seen love like that. That even in the midst of Of the wilderness seasons with the wild animals, God's presence brings victory. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That even as Norma is suffering and dying through cancer... She speaks of good news. She spoke of good news. Norma is our senior pastor's wife who just recently passed away. I heard her speak of peace and good news. And yeah, there were wild animals present. And yeah, it was wilderness for her. And yet God's presence was even there. who we serve and that's who we follow as the worship team comes forward I have taken up all of our time because when you start getting me talking about Jesus I can't stop I really can't it's a sickness that I don't want to be healed from As we close today, next to the record player, (laughs) there's a communion. They're the symbols for us of Christ's body, the bread and Christ's blood, the juice that was shed on the cross. And as we respond to God's word today, you are invited to remember, to remember That he is like no other to remember what he did with his power and his might, how he served you, how he gave for you, how he empowers you even today, how his presence, it goes with you everywhere you go. And it's not because of how sweet you are, but it's because of how much he loves. Remember, if you don't want to come, this is just a way that you can respond. It's okay. If you want to come and respond and receiving communion, and remembering who Jesus is, come. You can come to an altar for prayer. You can do both. You can sing. You can sit. You can stand. But how, you, how will you respond today to the new groove of Jesus, to the song that he plays, to the way of sacrificial love, the way of the cross? It's a song like no other. Jesus. As we respond today, help us. Would we hear your loving voice inviting us home? Amen.